Hello, welcome to Game Changer. Monday through Friday, David Villa and our crew dive into God's Word and talk about how to take principles from the Bible and apply them to our daily lives. Thanks so much for listening, and here's our host. Hi guys, what's up? Good morning. David Villa here with The Mess. We're what celebrating up? a wonderful Thursday morning what's up, here guys? How you doing? Good morning. on Game Changer Live. What's up, Samuel? What's up? Samuel L. Jackson. How you doing this morning? I'm doing good, man. Good. You good? I'm good. Good. You guys are quiet like Barry White. Like, I said something, Mike was like, hey, what's up? And then (laughs) Ed came in with like the, kind of like the, you know, the sexy Barry White kind of voice. Uh Sam tried to emulate it. I'm still waking up. I was up late watching the Lightning seal up the series. So we're going to the next round of the playoffs. Nice. Very excited. So how's everybody doing this morning? Are you guys having a good day to our listeners? If you're having a good day, just post some praise hands in there. Whatever you feel today. We know whatever emoji you feel. If you feel happy, smiling, you feel like, you know, praying today, you're going to be in prayer. You feel like celebrating. You know, maybe you got a raise. You feel like clapping. Maybe something positive happened. Whatever. Just tell us how you feel this morning on LinkedIn and Facebook. And we're going to talk uh, today will be our last day, <laughs> excuse me, on uh, God math. I mean, unless God brings it back. You never know. Like, I mean, God math is just like God to kind of, you know, say, oh, yo, listen, oh, you thought you were done, but I'm adding something else in there. That's God math, right? Now, we're going to talk about it today. Um, and then tomorrow, I'm just going to lay it out really quick. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. Just going to give you guys, I really, really um, know that we're going to have amazing uh, podcast sessions over the next few days. I'm actually uh, headed to vacation, uh, so I will not be here in the morning, but the mess will tomorrow morning. Uh, Walt Hayes is going to be. Um, sitting in this chair and he's going to be doing a great job he's got a great great word he told me um what it was and how um and he just shared a little bit of it on the make it happen this past tuesday and it's really good um then month then monday is memorial day so you guys have a wonderful memorial day and uh and enjoy your family cook out eat something hang out we'll have you tuesday morning pastor june Tavares. he is the campus pastor for radiant church of, he's a Brandon campus pastor, and um, he pastors right here in the city of Brandon, and um, he is going to be hosting. Um, I have no idea what he's going to be talking about, but he is a phenomenal communicator. And then Tuesday morning, man, I, I will be, I will watch all of them after, but I will tune into this one live because I want to pay honor to you know my senior pastor. I'm very, very stoked to be able to have him. He's extremely busy. He does his own podcast and has like six services he preaches every week and pastors thousands of people he is the lead pastor of radiant um church overall with six locations pastor aaron burke he will be in this chair and i can assure you it will be you will not want to miss tuesday i just but flat out tell you you just don't want to miss tuesday um wednesday um and third i'm sorry it was wednesday i'm sorry it was wednesday june is tuesday you don't miss that either and then pastor june and then pastor aaron on wednesday thursday and friday we have josh fontaine josh is our vp of sales here he's also in a a a prophetic voice to the church um god moves uh dramatically and incredibly through josh and josh is going to bring the word both thursday and friday of next week all right so that's it that's the week and then i will be back I may I may make a cameo. I got a little spot or something right there. I bet that's toothpaste. That's gonna drive me crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom after, and he's gonna bug me all. Promise you can't see it on my end. <laughs> I know, but. At least I can't. But all right, so let's dive into some God math. Hey, here's what's cool: God math. We took those four minutes to lay out 
what's coming, which was necessary. But I believe that how God is going to take everything that we planned and he's going to make it possible for us to deliver it in just the right way to you today. So we're going to talk about thinking or think biblically. God math, think biblically. I am in the process, by the way, just so Elisa knows, because I think she threw it out the other day. I'm waiting for the Bible plan. I think that she wasn't, we were talking in the beginning of the week on, we did the Bible plan increase and brought it in, but we stopped halfway through and God began to drop some things into my spirit live and we begin to bring them regarding God math. So I'm going to be writing a devotion while I'm on vacation. I'm going to put it in my notes um, on God math. And we're going to, we're going to deliver that and uh, launch it next. So stay tuned for that, but it's going to be a lot of what we're talking about here. So I'll be honest, right? Living, living according to God's laws rather than the world's custom, it, it doesn't come naturally to me. And I, and I think if you're honest, it doesn't come naturally to you because we're in this world and we're tempted to think like the world. We're tempted to react like the world. And to be very honest with you, before Jesus, we were the world. You know, you 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 got to understand my just uh, year, almost year and a half year old granddaughter is as sweet as can be. I mean, I love her, and you know, she's wonderful. Mike, your little girl, great. But here's the reality: they were born into sin. If you can think about this, I mean, they're just such wonderful, you know, to us perfect little angels. But the reality is they're born into sin. And so it's our nature. It's our nature to, we are part of the world, but it's our nature to abide by the customs of the world until God brings us out of the world. Even if you're raised in church, I mean, there comes a time when you have to make that decision yourself and you got to come out of the thinking of the world. And so it's, it's not, God, we're living by God's laws rather than the laws of the world or the, or the customs of the world. It doesn't come naturally for us, right? But I think this, we need God's truth, and it's found only in Scripture. So we're talking about thinking biblically or think biblically today. We're talking about God math. We're going to get to this in a second. We're going to also kind of revive a little bit again. I'm going to touch again just briefly, which, by the way, the Bible plan God math is going to be all over the five loaves and two fish. It's going to be all throughout it because I'm bringing it up again today, and there's like 50 million revelations that God's given me in the last while on that. I mean, really, man. I mean, just cool, cool story. So here's the thing, right? It's, it's found in scripture. So think biblically, to think biblically, it relies on the strength of the Holy Spirit to live biblically. Let me say it this way. To think biblically, you know, it, it, you get you to think biblically and have the strength to rely on the Holy Spirit to live biblically. Does that make sense? Think biblically and then rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit to live biblically. Because thinking biblically is not living biblically. So we have to start by thinking biblically so that we can live biblically. Does that make, that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and I, know that's, I know that doesn't sound complicated, but it's harder to do than you think because you, thinking is a big deal. And that's what we're talking about today. But we have to, I just want to give you the end result. We have to take our thinking and we have to get it into some action because living biblically is really what's going to bring the fruit. So God's word, let me just say this, has divine wisdom, power, truth, and holiness. It has divine attributes. I mean, you're talking about it's different than any other book. It's different than any novel. It's different than any fiction. It's different than any motivation book. It's different than any autobiography. It's different than any other 
literature out there. The Word of God has divine wisdom. It's not just wisdom that's shared from a man or woman's life, even if that person were a godly person. It's coming from the wisdom of God. It's divine wisdom. And it's divine power. It's divine truth and divine holiness. And it has divine attributes because it expresses God's own character. And to understand God math, you know, as a believer, it's really, it's really one of these things where I know we talked about the five loaves and two fish, and that wasn't actually, that was actually a math equation. It made sense. And as you really get into more God math, though, you find the entire Bible is written around God math. It doesn't make logical sense. It makes God sense. It makes perfect sense as a believer. When you come to know the person of Jesus Christ and you come to know the love of the Father and you come to understand the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in your life, then it makes perfect sense. But it really doesn't make a lot of logic sense to the world and because they, they don't know him. You know, so, so it expresses God's character and God expresses rather than undermines his own deity when he speaks words that address the created world. Let me say that again. God expresses rather than undermines his own deity when he speaks words that address the created world. In other words, when he speaks his words, it, 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 it doesn't undermine his godness. It doesn't undermine his lordship. It, it, it expresses it. You, you, you get the heart of God when he talks. You get the you get the you get the you get how God sees things when He speaks. It it it, it lifts up and supports, but it, rather than undermine, right? The, his His Godship when He speaks words that address who He created. So we can we can conclude this that the same principle applies. In listen to this in particular to numerical truths about the world. So we're talking about math, right? God governs everything. Does everybody agree with that? Mm -hmm. Including numerical truth. His word specifies what is true. And so let me just say this. You're going to write this down because this is where it shifts. This is where it shifts from what the world understands to what God's people understand. Here it is. Faith influences the equation. Faith influences the equation. You can type that in, Sam. And you know what an equation means? It's just simply the definition of an equation is mathematical problem. So let me say it this way. Faith influences the mathematical problem. You know, it's funny because <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking this when I was looking at the definition and I, I mean, I hope we get through this. But I got to say this, you know, when I was thinking about, when I was looking at the definition, I was thinking about mathematical, because equation means mathematical problem. You know where my mind went? My mind went to why they call it a problem. And if you think about it, all math is a problem in life as well. And let me, listen, we love addition and we love multiplication. But if we try to do it in our own way, to add to something can become frustrating. To, to add to your wealth can become frustrating. To add to, to add to, you know, you, you, you know, your business can become frustrating. To add to your family. It's a positive thing when it happens. Hey, we just had a great addition to the family. Look at this wonderful little granddaughter. But it's, it's frustrating 
to, to, to add to, to begin to add and begin to try to add, begin to plan to add. It's, it's very challenging and difficult to multiply things that are good. But it's frustrating because it's work. It doesn't just happen. Multiplication doesn't just happen. And then, you know, and, and so, and then also we, we know why division and subtraction are called problems. Because dividing and subtracting and taking away, they also add problems. If you have something and then all of a sudden things become be, begin to be distract, subtracted from you, then that is not, then that is a negative. So mathematical problem is the way it's viewed. But when you put faith in the equation, faith influences the equation, you let God do the math and, and things begin to happen at an exponential level. They begin to happen. They begin to happen outside of your frustration. And I'm going to open this up in a second, guys. Let me just finish this monologue with this last statement, this last paragraph here. Faith is the opposite of logic. In all the Bible stories where there was great faith, logic was disproved. (laughs) We're talking about God math here, and really, honestly, the entire Bible qualifies. Because every, every Bible story where there's great faith, logic was disproved. There's no room for logic where mountain-moving faith exists. Faith takes over where logic can no longer tread. Like lo- logic begins drowning when faith just starts swimming. Oh, man, you got to put that down there. Logic begins drowning when faith, at the, faith that, at the place that faith just starts swimming. Logic begins drowning where faith, where faith starts swimming. There you go. Logic begins drowning where faith starts swimming. Faith can't, or logic can't tread there. Logic could not cause a little boy. This is where we're going to bring the story back into it. Logic could not cause the little boy's lunch of five loaves and two pieces of, I'm sorry, five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish to feed thousands and thousands. Logic couldn't do that. It was faith that fed everyone until they were full and then they collected 12 baskets of leftovers listen and here's the deal this is another this is another it's not another revelation but it's another piece of it it continues to unfold not only leftovers a tangible visual of having more in the end than in the beginning that's not lo- that's not logical that's not math on this earth that's god math Not only did five loaves and two fish feed 5,000 plus women and children and individuals send 12 baskets of leftovers home to feed 12 people and who knows what he did with it to feed thousands as we discussed the other day as we're still talking about this today as millions of people have been fed over the uh, the last 2,000 years with with this situation. But if you look at it, it doesn't visually make sense because you have more in the end than in the beginning, not counting the fact of the revelation that Jesus looked in the basket. You ever, you know, we said this the other day. I was talking to my wife about this. I was telling her, you know, this. We mentioned this uh, a couple months ago. But guys, you know, when he held that basket, think about it, Mike. If he would have gave you the basket, he he held the basket, he blessed it, he broke it. And we all know that 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 manifestation of the of the loaves and the fish didn't happen physically until he passed it out. 
because there'd be no room in the basket. We know that. So here's the thing. If he would have handed the basket to the disciples and they would have walked around, this is my opinion. Okay. Maybe they would have had faith for a moment. Maybe some would have had greater faith. Maybe some could have had faith for half of the people, whatever it is. But you know, I know I would have eventually looked, can look down in the empty basket and would have said, there's nothing in there for me to pull from for this next family. Because, because the basket was empty or not full enough. You get what I'm saying? So Jesus didn't hand in the basket. He did that himself. So Jesus could look into an empty basket and see 5,000 people fed. He could see millions of people fed. And so as he reached in and handed it out, think about this. Then, then they were passing along what God had given them. It's just powerful, that story. But visually having more in the end than the beginning. Food unlimited, guys. Food multiplied. The food would not run out. It overflowed in the possibility, not the logic of impossibility where there was not enough food in a boy's basket to feed a crowd. But faith poured out as obedience, daring to believe and stepping out to feed the multitudes in the simple act of saying yes to what made no sense. God was able to work through them and do the miraculous. That is God math. What'd you say? A lot to take in. Um, Were you, uh, the one thing you said, the question you said was, um, why do they call it mathematical problems? And Mm -hmm. it's because they're all, there's never a solution whenever you're presented with them. When you're in math class, there's never a solution at the end of it. You have to solve it. That's why they're called problems. And it's kind of, it's interesting because it's very reminiscent of earthly, I, I, I say earthly living, but day in, day out. You know, every single day you wake up and, you know, within a few minutes you may have a problem that you're facing. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that, you know, math, most people will ask the same question. Why Why did I learn math in high school? Why did I learn um Pythagorean's theorem. Why did I learn this? Why did I learn this? I'm never going to use this in life. And realistically, all math teaches you is problem solving, teaches you how to be patient in the process of problem solving. I just, that was the only, that was the one thing that stood out to me when you were doing your, well, I say you said monologue, but yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's crazy when you think, um, kind of going off what Walter was talking about and make it happen the other day. Um, God math is something sometimes that you have to go back and see you don't realize um, the increase until you go back and think about where you were to where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, where I was four years ago compared to where I am now are two very drastically different things. Right. You know, the increase that's come in my life in different areas and different avenues um, is very easy for me to look at the negatives and be like, well, look at all the turmoil I went through. Look at all the struggles I went through. But it's not about that was just the process. I'm still going through a process, but it was the increase in my life and where I'm at now, not only just financially, but just overall where I am, you know, is yeah. vastly different. I like the, uh, there's a message of hope, I think in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, because the cool part of the one thing that I growing up, cause I'm a very like, as much as, yeah, I have that creative side of my mind that's always going and whatever, and I'm just trying to think of like the unique way of going things, I also like structure a lot. Right. I love things to be perfect. I mean, you, we've talked about how I fold my t-shirts and stuff, you know what I mean? Like I, I got a folding board at my house because I want everything to be uniform, you know what I mean? Like I just have a way that I want things done. 
So naturally, I was good at math in school because there's always a perfect solution. I mean, there's always a perfect answer to the problem. And like, I think the cool part about that is we're talking about faith influences the equation. If we have faith, then we're, we should be at least, we should be confident that no matter what it is that we're having to deal with, that there's a solution, that there is going to be a final answer, that there is going to be a resolution or something to our problems. And we don't have to think of it as like, it's this abstract answer. It's not an abstract answer. It's finite, and he has it for us. We just have to do the research and find out what it is that we need to do to make that come to fruition. I think it's interesting that you said that too because um, something I think about math, and some people may know this, some people may not, there's actually a part of algebra that you learn in high school um, where there isn't actually a solution to the problems that you have to face. They have what's called imaginary numbers. Ugh, it's so stupid. It's the dumbest thing in the world because basically all you're doing is saying that this equation can't be solved. You have to use what's called imaginary numbers in order to get, or, and that's the solution is that it doesn't actually have a solution. So it's funny that, you know, math being one of the most logical things in the world even has times where it doesn't have a solution. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it, and it makes sense. I, you know, it makes sense. That is a great point to bring into into our discussion this morning with God math because I think that God math God's God math is for it's God's math is specifically purposed I think and for and shows up when there is no solution there was no solution to feed those people so there's there's a perfect example of that imaginary number that was there. I mean, there was, it was, they were, they were, they were given a problem. Have you ever been given a problem? Are you walking into a situation now? I mean, listen, everybody's problem is different and it's different at every level, but are you walking through something right now that seemingly has no solution? You know, there's no logical solution to it. There's no, there's no answer to it. And, you know, I think that we have to tap into the fact that with God math, there is a solution and, you know, and that's what we witnessed here. And can I just say this? God first needs, and this is what he needed in this story. He needed the believer and he needed faith. Let me say it this way. God needed to be amen. God needed to be amen. He needs, I think he needs from you and I in those moments. If there's a, if there's a, if there's a position or a place where you're faced with not a solution, you, you don't have a solution. I think that God needs a believer. That's you and I, and he needs faith. He needs us to believe. He needs to be a man. He needed the simple act of someone agreeing with God Almighty that he can do all things. He alone is sovereign, and with him nothing is impossible. And can I just say this? Through our obedience and faith, we can in what we cannot see, which, by the way, is what faith is, right? Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. God will do much more than just enough. He wants to do exceedingly, according to Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. you got to understand, that's so crazy, even God math there. Ephesians 3.20, unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Well, wait a second. What I'm asking for is what I need, and I don't see a solution for that. Like, I don't see a solution for what I need. Think about this for a second. Like, it, Think about this, man. This blows your mind. Like God math. We need to feed these 5,000. And God feeds millions. 
I mean, are we getting this for a second? We need to feed these 5,000. But yet he feeds millions. He wants to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think. We don't have a solution for what we need in front of us, but God, math, does exceedingly and abundantly above all. God will meet our needs and then give us leftovers. <laughs> we put that in there, Sam. God will meet our needs and then give us leftovers. Overflow. Dry land. How about that? You know, let me just use some, let me use some, some scripture pieces. Dry land in the middle of the ocean. Dry land in the middle of the rivers in the middle of the desert. Leveled mountains. Demolished walls, strongholds come down that once locked out our victories. That's what God does. He takes walls down. He moves mountains. He puts rivers and water in the middle of the desert and he puts land in the middle of an ocean. He provides where there is no provision. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He will take what seems impossible and make it exceed our need and surpass understanding. So we have to act out in faith and be audacious for God. We have to, we have not because we ask not. That's what the Bible says. We have to ask big and we have to think huge because it said we have not because we ask not. When we ask, we ask amiss or we ask the wrong way. So don't ask God, don't put God in a box. Don't set limits on the omnipotent, omnipresent, supernatural God. So here's my question. Like, you know, let's look at the little boy here. And again, I hope you guys are looking forward to this Bible plan because I am looking forward to writing it. I almost can't wait to go on vacation so I can write it because I'm going to get, I'm going to do it at times when I just feel it and just put it in my notes and then just bring it back with me. It's going to be a good one. I feel this in my heart. This is really, really resonating with my spirit what's in your basket? What's in your basket? I'm going to read this. Uh, Mike, do you mind reading the passage that's in the notes here? Do you have these notes? Yeah. Okay, so so this is the New Living Translation. It's the whole story, but it, I just really, I really like this. And we're going we're gonna to break it down here in the last couple of minutes. Go ahead. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to have to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Thank okay, hold on. In some passages, they don't even talk about this version of it. Like, they don't go into depth with what happened before. They just say, hey, let's go buy something to eat. Philip, Philip put another, another limit in the natural and in culture, another, another mathematical impossibility there. Here's the one that you got to understand. Not only did they not have it with them, he said, we'd have to work for months to get the money to feed them. Now, hold on. Even if we work for months. So I want you to understand something. It was impossible for them because they didn't, they didn't have months to do what needed to be done now. Do you understand? Time limit was also an issue. Now, go ahead, Mike. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? 
Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, afterward he did the Hold same. On. So then Jesus, that's, that's by the way, that's the revelation um, that, you know, the, uh, the other revelation of Jesus doing it himself and blessing it, but then also taking the responsibility of being the provider. Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. So Jesus was the, is the distribution center. Okay. I want you to understand that you can never disconnect yourself from the source. When the substance gets disconnected from the source, that's where things go wrong. He's the source and he's always the source. And he will, and you got to trust him daily. Sometimes you got to trust him moment by moment and season by season. But here's the deal. He will provide. Go ahead. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftover pieces so that nothing is wasted. They picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with the scraps left by people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Mm. I, I just want to say this, like on a whole side note. I believe when we get to heaven, there's going to be some of these pieces sitting that God's going to let us all try them. I just like, I, it's got to be, how, how good was that bread and fish? I mean, just think about that, man. Like, it was so good. You know, I can't wait. I want to try it. I'm not even a fish eater, but I'm going to eat that. All right, so let's look at this real quick. You can jot these down because we're done. We're not coming back to this series unless God, uh, you know, directs us. So I'm going to give you these really quick, even though it's nine, okay? So look, I mean, here's some principles that you can use in your everyday life. There's three things you can write down. Allow the Bible to be your authoritative rule of faith and conduct, right? Let it tell you how to, how to act. Let the Bible, remember, we're talking about think biblically. And this is the deal. It's all full of, you want to know what God math is? All in the Bible, everywhere. Bible, Bible's God math. It doesn't add up. God's got it. It doesn't make sense. God's got it. You don't have enough. God's got it. You, you know, all the things in the Bible, it's all God math. It all, it, it doesn't make sense logically. It makes sense in, in if you're, if you're a child of God. So here's the things, ready? Let the Bible tell you how to act. Let the word of God tell you how to speak and let the word of God tell you how to think. I'm going to say it again. Let the word of God tell you how to act. Let the God let the word of God tell you how to speak and let the word of God tell you how to think. Because when we learn, listen, when we learn to think biblically, we instinctively begin to live biblically. Amen? Amen. I'll see you guys on June 7th. That's when I'll see you next. No? Yeah. yeah we're yeah, going yeah. straight into... We're yeah, going we'll, straight we'll, in. I'll see you guys June 7th. Well, you'll see us June 7th. Yeah, we'll do something. We'll do something. Maybe we'll do it from in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you guys. We'll, we'll, I'll see you guys. I'll be back a week from Monday. Thank you guys for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow with Walter Hayes. The mess will still be here. Um, song of the day today is Nothing is Wasted. Um, it kind of stuck out as I was reading through that passage that, that nothing is wasted um, from Elevation. Definitely give it a check out if you haven't before. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Tomorrow's Friday or Friday, just so I can make Ezra cringe. And on that note, we out. Thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to connect further, check out the David Villas Game Changer group on Facebook. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Game Changer.